Cristiano Ronaldo has made a solid start to his Italian Serie A career, finding the back of the net 12 times in his first 18 outings since joining Juventus from Real Madrid during the summer. The Portuguese's importance to Massimiliano Allegri squad was made all the more obvious on Wednesday as Juventus found themselves a man and 2-1 down away at Atalanta, with Ronaldo not in the starting lineup for the first time this season. But he came off the bench to preserve his new club's unbeaten record with a late equaliser. You're welcome to the ninth episode of Strictly Sports. John Muir is my name, and I am the hot tackling and the super dynamic midfield maestro. A combination of Makalili and Javi, Ngolkanti and Andre Pelu, where intensity and tenacity make craftiness and guile. I apologize for the long absence, and I promise that you will enjoy this episode. I'll be your pilot as usual, and the talking point in this episode is the man who has ruled the footballing world for the last decade alongside Alana Messi. His name is Cristiano Ronaldo. How well has he adapted to life in the Italian? Join me as I take you into the world of former overseas world football superstars and try to use their performances as a yardstick for Cristiano's performance so far in the Italian Serie A. Alright, let's begin with Gabriela Battistuta. He secured a move to Fiorentina in 1991 after firing Argentina to Copa America glory with six goals. This was on the back of successful spells at River Plate and uh, Boca Juniors. The striker initially found goals had to come by at the Artemio Franchi, netting only three times by the end of December. But he ended his first season in Serie A with a creditable 13 as a weak Viola side finished 12th. Batigo, as he came to be known, struck 16 times during his second campaign, but that was not enough to save Fiorentina from the drop. However, even though Batistuta had established himself as one of the top strikers in Serie A, he resisted offers from from elsewhere to help the club secure an immediate return to the top flight, thus earning himself iconic status in Florence. Batistuta continued to score freely for Fiorentina, but despite some near misses, it was only after leaving to join Roma in the year 2000 that he won a long overdue Scudetto. Now let's move on to Gullit, the Dutchman. He similarly broke the transfer fee world record in 1987, you know, by signing Gullit from PSV for approximately £6 million. But the Dutchman initially took time to settle at San Siro, struggling with the Italian language and only scoring two goals during the first half of the season. However, the forward improved from January onwards and ended up with nine goals to his name as the Rosaneri claimed their first Scudetto since 1979. Despite some injury issues, Gullit would go on to become a legend at Milan, whom he helped win back-to-back -back European Cups, even scoring twice in the 1989 final against Thiago Bucharest. Now let's talk about the man everybody loves, the Brazilian Kaká. Despite widespread interest in Kaká's services, AC Milan managed to snap up the Sao Paulo star in 2003 for just 8.5 million euros, which President Silvio Berlusconi rather prophetically described as peanuts. The attacking midfielder was the revelation of the Serie A season. Kaká had only scored twice by the winter break, but he was proving a wonderful creative force, replacing Rui Costa in the starting lineup, and the goals began to follow in the new year. Indeed, he ended his debut campaign with 10 in total and was named Serie A player of the year for playing such a Pivotal role in Milan's title triumph. Essentially, Kaká was well on his way to becoming one of the finest players ever to grace Italy's top flight. And yes, 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 let's talk about uh, Maradona. Even Ronaldo's decision to join Juve was uh, a surprise. Diego Maradona's move to Napoli rocked the footballing world to its very core. The Patinope had never won the Scudetto, yet managed to sign the Argentine for a world record fee from Barcelona in 1984. Maradona was greeted as a messiah in Naples and certainly achieved godlike status 
by leading Napoli to two Serie A title triumphs during his six-year stay at the San Paolo. He did take time to prove his worth, netting only three times before the turn of the year, but that was hardly surprising given he joined a team coming off the back of a 12th place finish. However, Ison made his genius felt and ended his first campaign in Italy with 14 goals, which saw him rank third in the race for the Capocannonier, just four behind Victor Michel Platini. And now talking about Platini, yes, Juventus took advantage of the expiration of Michel Platini's contract with Senetien to sign one of the stars of the 1982 World Cup for a nominal fee in the region of 129,000 euros. Even at the time, it was a steal. As Juve president Gianni Agnelli famously put it, we've paid for a slice of bread, an idiom for pizza in Italian and they've given us for grass. He wasn't wrong either. Platini started slowly in terrain, only striking four times by Christmas. However, France number 10 finished with 16 goals to take the first of three consecutive Capocannonier awards and three consecutive Ballons d'Or. And now let's talk about the namesake of Ronaldo. We're talking about the Brazilian Ronaldo. Ronaldo de Lima. Inter took advantage of the breakdown in Barcelona's talks with Ronaldo's representatives over a new contract to make the Brazilian sensation the most expensive player in the world for the second time in just over a year, paying 19.5 million pounds, that is 27 million dollars, for his services. The striker had terrorized defenses in his one and only season at Camp Nou, but he actually looked an even more complete forward as San Siro quickly earning himself the nickname Il Phenomeno for his goals exploits. Ronaldo struck 9 times by the end of December but added 16 during the second half of the season to finish with 25 in total, claiming the Serie A Player of the Year award in the process. Sadly, that was to be as good as it got for Ronaldo at Inter because he suffered two serious knee injuries which meant he spent more time on the sidelines than on the pitch during his remaining four years at San Siro. And then at the Ukrainian Andrei Shevchenko. The big question hanging over Andrei Shevchenko after his move to AC Milan in 1999 was whether he could re replicate his impressive goal-scoring feats at Dynamo Kiev. The Ukrainian posted an immediate response, netting seven times in his first seven Serie A appearances as he went about reaching the winter break with 10 goals to his name. The striker proved even more prolific in uh, the second half of the season as he finished with 24 goals to not only win the Scudetto for the Rosonari but also claim the Capocannonier award in his first year at San Siro. Shevchenko went on to become the second most prolific player in Milan's history and is still remembered as a club legend despite leaving for Chelsea in 2006 only to then return for an unsuccessful loan spell two years later. And of course, uh, Marco Van Basten. Yes, uh, his Serie A career got off to the perfect start with the Dutch striker netting on his debut in a 3-1 win at Pisa. But his first campaign was decimated by injury and he contributed just three goals in total to AC Milan's title triumph. Once fully fit though, Van Basten took the league by storm, racking up 19 goals in his second season at San Siro and a further 10 during the Rosonari's European Cup triumph, including a double in the final against Thiago Bucharest. Van Basten would go on to prove himself one of the greatest centre forwards the game has ever seen. But currently, he was forced to retire in 1995, aged just 31, after spending the previous two years sidelined by injury. Alright, now let's talk about the only African to be named FIFA World Footballer of the Year, George Opongwe. Having established himself as one of the most feared strikers in world football at Paris Saint-Germain, George Weah was snapped up by Italian giants AC Milan in the summer of 1995. The Liberian only hit 5 goals by the turn of the year and finished the season with 11 in total, but that was enough for him to finish top scorer for a title-winning Rosonari side that not only boosted forwards of the caliber of Marco Simeone, Dejan Savicevic and Roberto Baggio. Weah's all-round excellence had also resulted in him becoming the first African to win the Ballon d'Or. He would enjoy a more prolific campaign in 1995-1996 scoring 13 goals including his iconic coast-to-coast -coast strike against Verona and he claimed his second Scudetto in 1999 but his first season in Serie A was undoubtedly his most impactful.
and the artistic Brazilian Zico. Despite interest from AC Milan and Roma, Zico joined Loli Udinese in 1983. Many were mystified as to how the Zebrete had managed to stomp up the cash to sign the outstanding talent from the ridiculously gifted Brazil side that graced the 1982 World Cup. However, despite calls for the Italian Football Federation to block the transfer, haters gone hate. Abi, the number 10 was allowed to join Udinese, much to the joy and disbelief of their supporters. Zico hit the ground running netting six times in his opening four games and had racked up nine goals by the turn of the year. He eventually ended with 19 Serie A goals but was beaten to the Kappa Canonier award by Platini by single strike. Despite Zico's brilliance and his productive partnership with Franco Calcio, Udinese only finished ninth on account of their porous defense. Zico's second season was worse, with Udinese coming home 12th but he remains a legend in Udine, not least for turning the free kick into an art form. Now let's talk about the man popularly known as Zizou, Zinedine Zidane. Amusingly, Blackburn Rovers turned down the chance to sign as Zinedine Zidane because they already had Tim Sherwood, while Newcastle didn't think that uh, the elegant Frenchman was good enough to play in the championship, let alone the Premier League. That left the way clear for Juventus to sign Zidane in the summer of 1996 for just 3.6 million euros and it quickly became obvious that the Bianconeri had got themselves a bad game. The attacking midfielder was excellent in his first season in Terrain. Never a prolific player, Zidane scored five times in total, thrice before the turn of the year as Juve claimed the Scudetto and their number 21 was named Serie A foreign player of the year. He also netted twice in the knockout stages of the Champions League as Juve reached the final only to suffer a shock loss to Borussia Dortmund. Zidane was even better in his second season in Italy and he helped the Bianconeri retain his Scudetto but they again suffered heartbreak in Europe beaten by Real Madrid in the 2008 Champions League final as it transpired it would only be after joining the Spanish giant for a world record fee in 2001 that Zidane would finally get his hands on the European Cup in 2002. <laughs> Thus by the turn of the year in his first season in Serie A, Ronaldo has scored more league goals than all of the superstars in this list did during the same time period. While some of these players played more than others and while some would argue that Serie A was of a higher standard during its heyday in the 1980s and 1990s, Ronaldo can certainly boast that his first six months in Italy have been a roaring success. Kudos to the Portuguese. This is Strictly Sports with John Binho. And this is why I blow the final whistle on another fantastic episode of Strictly Sports. Thanks for joining me on this uh, wonderful adventure into the world of Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, some past world superstars in football. Jamie is my name and I am the super dynamic midfield maestro. Don't forget to spread kindness around wherever you find yourself. Bye for now.